0: Hi and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye, and I'm R. Neville Johnston,
1: and I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. <clears throat> Excuse me. And tonight we're going to discuss the topic of honesty and communication, both spoken and unspoken. But before we get to that,
0: let's do the Mayan. This it's a new is dance today in Mayan. Yeah. Okay.
1: And it's five Chichan. Chichan is the feathered serpent, the highest of the high and the lowest of the low. Chachans always made, well, the leaders were Chachans, the kings, because you really have to see the high view and know what it's like down here on the ground in order to, to lead, act, lead effectively. And tone five is a day of power, taking command of yeah.
0: power. Yeah, it's called the feathered serpent. There we go, okay. I empower in order to survive commanding intellect, I seal the store of life force with the overtone of radiance, i by the power of space. Maybe so instinct. all of those words have to do with uh, the fact of the tone and the tribe and the guide tribe. Uh, different aspects of the different aspects contribute words to this particular formatting. Before the computer took all this over, you had to figure that out for yourself (laughs) every day. Which made it a wonderful morning meditation.
1: Absolutely, it did. Chachan people are really good at memorizing things. So, if you have something to memorize, it might be good to do that studying on a chachan day, because the energies are conducive to that. Mm Well,
0: interesting, Ben is the guide tribe, you and I both being Ben. Well, you are Ben the with the tri- Chan guide tribe. In that's I'm true, ben. too. So with I do a have that well, built-in memory thing.
1: That's true. So you do, for sure. Mm-hmm. You can memorize things very easily. Well, I wanted to address the, the idea of honesty and truth. Because in the uh, Five Laws of Jainism, the mm-hmm. first one is ahimsa, which means cause harm to no one. And that that has to be the number one rule. And then following that comes honesty. And I would say, it would, to me, I think, we could probably talk for 100 years on the topic of of communication and honesty. There are so many social rules and social things that keep us from expressing ourselves honestly that when the honesty finally has to come out like a volcano, Mm -hmm. it shoots out like bullets and then we get injured by honesty. So then it teaches us that honesty is a harmful, painful thing, so we do everything we can not to speak honestly. And it's been many generations of this, not speaking honestly, not being clear, not being, um, not being forthcoming with how we really feel. And ever since we decided that honesty is not a good idea, our feelings had to go underground. And that's, that's when a lot of things happen.
0: Well, there's another word for all these social conventions, and that is guilt. Mm -hmm. So guilt cannot really, uh, pardon me, honesty cannot be understood until guilt is at least understood, Mm -hmm. never mind dealt away with. This program is habitually talking about the idea of living in a guilt-free society, and this frightens people very, very deeply because the people feel that without guilt everybody would just... um, get tattoos and run around and force their will on other people and uh, mock and deride people that don't believe the way they well, oh yeah so it's different than the way it is right? Okay so to enter into guilt freedom this is what we're talking about. Um, the working principle that I'm talking about here is that guilt will completely trump logic in other words, if you're at a stoplight in the middle of the night and you don't go because you would be guilty if you did go, but there's no reason not to go, your logic will not overcome guilt. And that's why honesty becomes a very wild hare to discuss. So for example, if you were going to lead a team to the height of Mount Everest and you address your, your group down there before you begin the ascent, and you say, I've never done this before. Which is a very honest thing to say, and you would only say that because you would feel guilty. That's what would drive you to say it. Now, what happens is, the entire ascent, everybody grumbles. The entire descent, all you hear is what other people would have done. So it's not in your favor at all. It's not in favor of the mission to say. Well. Well, you see what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. absolutely.
1: Uh, well. Uh, that is is a definitely a, a subject to delve into, or a yeah, topic, well, or a branch yeah. of this. But the idea of being honest when it, it it serves no purpose and it causes harm to people, for instance, if you just say you look fat in that dress and I do not. Now, well, you look very fat in that dress.
0: Oh, damn. Does my butt look big dress. in this
1: dress? Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like Abe Lincoln that commercial. Yes. Oh, well, your back
0: fat. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he said Yeah, yeah. in the okay. ad. It was yeah. a Geico ad, I believe. Yeah.
1: Well, now that we've given Geico a plug, we can go on with the show here. But the idea is you don't just say things just to say them. And often I have seen people will use the guise of being honest just in order to be passive-aggressively harming another person. Like, uh, you know, you look stupid or you're dumb. Well, I'm just telling the truth. And they hide in this canopy of truth. And that's why this principle is so important to really get that we, I remember when we were kids they would say if you have nothing nice to say don't say anything at all. We are so compelled in our era and in our society right now to say every little thing that comes into our mind no matter how much we may be hurting someone. And if we don't say it directly to them because we're afraid of of doing that, we say it in a venting format to our friends. And this This idea of confrontation is something else I want to talk about, but maybe we'll get to it in a minute. Everything that we do, we are either avoiding confrontation or trying to have confrontation with our with our words.
0: Yeah, it's getting a little thick down here. Yeah. So,
1: as long as it serves a purpose, then your honesty could be expressed. If it's not serving a purpose, if it's not moving the plot of your life forward in a significantly profound way or a kind and loving way, then it really doesn't serve any purpose and it is okay to let go of the thought, let go of the truth that you're carrying around.
0: Well, it's very true. Uh, people are seem to overlook harming other people when they can pull that word honesty out of. Yeah. But the question is, does the information serve? And and does it serve you to speak this way? And the answer is no, it does not serve you to harm other people, period. Ah, Ahimsa being the first of the rules and honesty being the second. So yes, I'm just agreeing with you. And Henry Winkler's quote later on you, you can do, just the idea that when we are, we're here to make the world a better place, we're here to hold and maintain a higher consciousness and anything that's uh, negative doesn't maintain a higher consciousness. In fact, it dramatically lowers it. I'd heard of an article I haven't read that was, because all I had to hear was the title. What was the title? I
1: heard of an article I ha- okay.
0: Yeah, the title was um, Toxic Venting, When to Stop Listening. Okay, so these people that are, from their point of be- view, being very honest, but what they are doing is spewing um, spirit poison into the ethers into anybody who's listening and so it is a great art to not listen when someone's talking it's also a form of meditation <laughs> you know when someone's just going on with endless prattle of negativity um, the idea being that you don't you're not required to listen to that because when you do then some part of you has to participate in that and it wasn't so
1: Well, there's a transmutation, too, and I I guess I have a a slightly different perspective because I know we can see these things as negativity or Mm -hmm. something, whatever. But if we look at things just as they are and Mm -hmm. that this is a symptom of something repressed or held back, then you can actually help elevate a person or talk to them. And venting for venting's sake, when there isn't a consciousness shift involved, is very toxic. toxic. It's very um, and it actually has been proven scientifically to burn it into your brain to vent and not to talk about an event for a span of time. If you can wait one day before you start ruminating on something that's happened, like let's say your boss fired you and what we tend to do when we have those traumas is we go into a state of shock for a period of time And that is a natural reaction to keep this from burning into our brain and becoming a a rooted down uh, belief system or an anchor in this reality. So it's really a good idea not to talk about it. But then there are those times where we do feel angry at our boss, and to have them just sit in our body causes us to get sick. So then one would ask, what do we do? And what we do is talk about them in a healthy way in order to become bigger than them. And if you talk about it in a way that makes us feel victimized, then what we're doing is empowering them with our talk. Yes. So it's not a matter just of not listening. But you did bring up a, a, a thing that I thought would be another powerful way to look at this, is Eleanor Roosevelt's quote, which I've said 100,000 times over the last 12 years on the show and prior to that, which is, great idea. Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events and small minds discuss people. So if you can always seek to elevate any conversation up to the higher level, ideally to the level of ideas, like the lady that was criticizing another lady at work about wearing a cocktail dress to work, and I couldn't tell the difference. I'm not a fashion diva, and, and I thought, well, if I if I rebut this and say, why don't you just mind your own business, this lady's my boss, uh, that's not gonna bode so well for me. So my, my honesty has to be elevated to a place where it still serves me too because Mm -hmm, we can't mm -hmm. sacrifice ourselves. So how I responded was, yes, isn't that interesting? We can wear anything right now. We could even find a ball gown or a tuxedo. No one else in time could we do that. And her mind just got completely out of that layer of it, that level of it, Mm -hmm. and we had an interesting discussion. And I didn't have to be honest in a way that harmed myself.
0: I added a fourth to Eleanor Roosevelt's. It's actually below Small Minds Discuss People. Politicians (laughs) Discuss Issues. Mm -hmm. Now, an issue is a language code. It means that you've already decided it, but when you use the word issue, it implies that it's open for debate, but it is not. It's a code word. When you hear the word issue, you know the person has made up their mind. I have an issue with, they've made up their mind about it. So they to elevate them it. from their <laughs> issue, you say, well, uh, seven out of 10 successful people don't have that issue. <laughs> you know, there goes the whole thing. Well, I can no longer use issue to pound on you with.
1: Are you saying there's a reason that tissue has issue issues?
0: Issues, yes, I have an issue with tissues. And speaking of, we have our first caller of the evening. Hi, first caller of the evening. What's your name, please?
2: Hi, this is Edith. Hi, Edith. Did?
0: Hey, what can we do for you?
2: I just, I'm just asking for some advice. What do you do when somebody wants to sort of vent to you, um, and it just sounds like a, a slew of negativity, Good and uh, you're ju- you just don't really want to hear it, you know, or you're not, you're not in the mood to to go in that place. You don't want to certainly be rude or, or not compassionate, but. You know, they want to bring you, you know, to a place that you just don't want to be. I'm well, going
1: to hang up. Great question, and this is yeah, what excellent. I do. The first thing I do, <laughs> as a joke, I just say, "No, no, please."
0: Uh, I bet you that's going to work. You can too.
1: use humor, but you can use yeah. humor. Yeah, and. Okay and say, hey, hey, now what's really going on here? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can really listen to what they're saying. And, and like I've said before, if you put the zone of silence around yourself and anything that comes through gets transmuted, by the time it lands in your lap, you hear what they're really saying. And always when someone is spewing what we call negativity, what they're talking about is, I feel unloved, I feel scared, I don't know why, I don't, I don't know what's going on, and I'm looking for somebody to take this off me and I'm trying to hand it to you. And there are many, many different ways, I call it spiritual Aikido, to Mm -hmm. not accept delivery of someone else's box of stuff. And number one, you can try the transmutation by taking it to a level of idea. You can, and this gets into the subject of the show about being honest. Henry Winkler said, I don't mind your honesty as long as it's delivered with kindness. And there are a lot of very kind ways to do that. And one is just to address what's really going on with them. Let's say they're complaining about... Their coworker who comes in late every day. You could just go right to the truth, saying, "Well, are you really mad at yourself because you never allow yourself to be late?" I mean, there there are just a hundred different things that you can do once we step out of this box where we're not allowing ourselves to be honest and yeah. do like Neville does, or my my uh, father-in-law or grandfather-in-law, who had a hearing aid. And when his wife would talk, he'd just say "mm-hmm," and he'd turn it down in his pocket and just keep nodding his head.
0: Yeah, now a very integral aspect to this whole concept is that we, the human race, have absolutely no clue as to how sacred our speech is. If we did, (coughs) speech would be reserved for song, would be reserved for only the highest possible frequency of communication. And when we take our sacred and holy speech, which manifests, this is what we don't quite get, uh, when we spew negativity, we continue to surround ourselves with negativity because of said spewing. In other words, the complaint is the command. In other words, if you want to talk negatively about anything, anyone, anywhere, anytime, what you have done is poison your own field really rather dramatically. The idea is to recognize that before you would say something negative, you wouldn't, because you would recognize the effect that is going to have. Because if we are uneducated and someone spews poison to another person, who then spews it to another, who then spews it to another, and by the time it has gone all the way around the world once or twice, it's another war. I mean, seriously, that that whole war is always set off by people Spewing negativity. If no, if people recognize the effect speaking negatively has on the entire world, there was a tribe in wherever that was.
1: Was in Africa.
0: You want to tell the story? The
1: the laugh. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, this tribe would. um, Each member of the tribe would go and yell at a tree, and about a month. Oh no, I
1: was thinking the laughing epidemic.
0: Oh, the laughing epidemic. We'll do that one, but. no, no,
1: what you're talking about is, this was something from Robert Fulgen book that I had read, mm-hmm. where they, it, his principle was, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can break your heart. And he told of a tribe, that's how they would fell trees, is they would scream at it for 30 days. They'd all scream at the tree, and after 30 days, it fell on its own, it died.
0: Yeah, and that is the effect that our, our sacred and holy human voice has on everything. That's why we cannot stand to hear someone going on and on and on about the, the negative aspect of things because it has a detrimental effect. It really does.
1: It does. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to clarify something because we do say there's no good and bad, positive and negative and stuff. True, true. But sometimes we just use that word because that's what everybody relates to. But mm-hmm. personally, what I mean if I utilize that word negativity, I still don't see it the same way as other people, yeah. which is okay. I think it's just somebody talking at a lower level vocabulary because Mm -hmm. they're stuck there. And I see that as an opportunity to help them out. And I don't mind when people talk like that because I see it differently. I'm not saying every time. I'm not saying standing in the line at the dry cleaners, I want to listen to that. But we all go there. We're all in that frequency. But if you think of negative talk as being denser, heavier talk, and so when we say it pulls us down look at that as an exercise in maintaining your frequency regardless of the density around you. And that could be your training or your lesson when you're hearing spouting negativity, quote unquote. It's just to say, I'm going to use that as a way to really ground myself where I'm at and maybe Mm -hmm. even use it to ascend higher into a higher state. And then I'm going to watch from down here and I'll get a really loving view one in which I'm not pulled into Yeah,
0: absolutely everyone is at the highest possible level they can be at at that time. This is very much a truth also. And um, the idea of the... uh, But just
1: not listening. I mean, what you were bringing up, I think that's also an option.
0: Yes, also because, and, and especially not to repeat it, you know, this gossipy thing. As soon as you repeat it, you're part of that process going around the planet that brings a tidal wave. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. No, so within our purview is the ability to transcend this. And as you're saying, you just talk to the person to get them to recognize. And then if they have the capacity, they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah. And then stop, you know, so that the, uh, this mm-hmm. doesn't have to continue on. Because it does run like an avalanche, okay? And truly there is is no good and bad because absolutely everything that ever happens turns out to be on your side, regardless, it's just we're at the point where we can get a smoother flight path Mm -hmm. through our incarnation than we have been able to in the past, especially owing to, you know, negative. We've said so many times the only authority figure on this planet is Y-O-U. So if the general says to go shoot the prisoner and you say shoot me instead, that puts an end to that and you can always reincarnate. Besides back in those days it wasn't worth hanging around Yeah. (laughs) because we weren't going to get anybody that high. But in these days it is possible to get us to um, ascend and maintain a level of a much greater consciousness. That's
1: that's kind of um, what I was getting at. I Mm -hmm. think that would be a good challenge let's say or opportunity a game for people to play is when you are in the midst of that see yourself up high and i've actually done this exercise and it's something i teach in my more advanced psychic development series Mm -hmm. where where you go into channeling and everything. But I I have a place that I go and I see myself sitting there because this is a universe that operates on the principle of entrainment. And we can entrain to all this negative stuff at work or this denser, lower frequency energy at work. It's still loving sparks of the divine that are spewing this stuff, as you would put it. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's being done on level one instead of on level seven. And it's only us that can climb up to those higher levels. So if you can find yourself climbing to a higher level when you're in the midst of this or if the evening news is on in the background and you can still maintain your frequency, well then bingo, that you know why that denser frequency even came into your life to show you. Yeah. But there, there's another facet to this that I think would be a really interesting thing to discuss. And this might go into what Edith was talking about as well. And that is this idea of confrontation. We have this fear so often that, that if I say my truth, like let's say your boss says, you're gonna work 500 hours this week whether you like it or not. Well, we get this fear that we're not allowed to say, uh, no, I'm not, that we're not allowed to speak up. And so we hold it and hold it until we just freak out or we have yeah. a nervous breakdown and at work. just
0: burst, yeah. yeah.
1: And so we will often think, say things, uh, we have a very difficult time saying no to each other. And yet we feel no a lot. Mm -hmm. And no is not a bad word. I've had people say to me, oh no, we gotta say yes to everything and get no out of the vocabulary. and Just say yes to life instead of no to death. No, no is powerful and it's part of everything. You can't have yes without no, you can't have no without yes. Our nos are necessary. The only time we get out of balance is if it's all yes or all no. It's got to be in a balance. So what we tend to do, instead of just saying, no, I don't want to buy your vacuum cleaner, just directly, no, I don't want to buy your vacuum cleaner, and do it on a carrier wave of love, we skirt it and we never speak it. Or the guy who has that girl that's been chasing him forever, and he just won't say, look, I'm really not interested. And so the girl thinks by him not saying anything, that she's got this hope open that could last for decades sometimes and her whole life is consumed with this. Skirting your nose are very confusing and discombobulating to people and people always start out saying no non-verbally and alluding to it hoping the other person will get the message. Like they call, let's say it's the girl calling the guy and he says, uh, yep, oh, oh, okay, uh, I gotta get going, uh, yeah, I'll call you next week and then he doesn't call next week. All these nonverbal no's. It would certainly be nice to have the overt no, but the confrontation is so fearful.
0: I've thought a great deal about yes and no, and because of my brain, yes, my brain, what about it, oh, um, I've retrained the brain to Trinity, so yes and no doesn't make sense because maybe is certainly, ask any kid when mom says maybe, what does mom mean? Ma means no, that's what Ma means, but she won't say no.
1: She usually means yes. <laughs> hmm? She usually means, yes, you can talk me into it. You may be able to talk me into it. That's yeah, what I would say. Yeah, but it's maybe, definitely
0: not uh, a component equal to yes and no. Maybe is mitigated in one way or another. So I asked, um, what is the trinity of yes and no? And I slept overnight on it, which is odd for me because it's not necessarily comfortable to sleep, sleep on yes and no. <laughs> yes, most of the night, I'm some of the kidding. day, okay, so yes and no, what is the Trinity? The Trinity is authority, yes and no are the same thing because they are both authority yeah very now no is not an authority if any word other if any word follows the word "no it 's diminished in its authority, as in no thank you, no, not really no, i don 't think so. Okay, if you say no, now you can't deliver no as a whip snap because that's erred on the other side. So as Winkler was saying, you say no but without the whip snap and without any weakness involved with it and you say it once and if the person continues to ask or talk, you turn and walk away because it's done. Once you've said no, it's a done deal. And the same thing with yes. Go ahead.
1: No, I'm just I'm just agreeing with you and I'm I I I'm I thought that that's what I was communicating but you maybe was. You were. I, wasn't. I just wanted but, to But um the idea yes would fall under that same category not just with no because so often we say yes in a very non-authoritative way. Yeah. Do you see what and I mean?
0: We do. Yeah. Absolutely. And we have our next uh, Yeah,
2: but we'll continue.
0: Next caller. Hi caller. What's your name?
2: Yes, my name is Rosa.
0: My Name is yes. Hi
2: Rosa. Hi. I have a question for her. Um, I By have that, these, do you mean me? No, the lady the, oh, um, good, okay. with the long, pretty I just hair. The lady. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm Mary, but thank you for uh, oh, calling, Mary. Rosa. Okay. Yes. I have, um, this, uh, I have these psychic gifts or something, I believe, and I saw this uh, dream of somebody getting killed last month in, in, um, in August, and the man got killed this, this month in my building, and I told my son if I knew the dream with him, was his? I could have went and saved him, but I don't. I can't understand what these dreams mean when I have them. How do you know when you mature and can tell people like you do what what your dreams and the gifts are? When when do you come to that level in life? Yeah. I, I'm like that uh, a dumb uh, um, platform. I don't. I just don't understand. You well, know, I you keep know, having them, and I don't know what they mean.
1: Well, that, you know, that's really brilliant. Thank you so much for that because you're probably helping so many people just by bringing this up. And that is a very valuable and profound question and a place to be in your life. But one thing to know that our psychic impressions aren't always here for us to stop something. And this is, this is a, a phase that we go through when we are exploring our own power. And I call it the delusions of grandeur stage. And I'm not, I don't mean that in a negative sense but in a sense that's, that we feel. It's like that Mother Teresa vision where I had that, um, that how can I help those less fortunate than me. Mm-hmm. What we tend to do is we're always attempting to compensate and balance the universe. Stop this guy from getting killed. Help this lady, old lady across the street with her groceries. Do this and that's not really our job even though we are often the tool for that force. But we are not the force and once we recognize that um... that balancing force is what i mean once we recognize that it gets us out of that land of right and wrong and having to control things and then we just find it comes through us and if it was your place to tell him you would have had the dream and you would have known it was for him and you would have bumped into him in the lobby of your building or out in front of your building and the subject would have come up and so see yourself more as a tool of this and that it's not always about stopping someone I feel your guides are, are showing you your abilities and these abilities that we all have. And it's something that we work with our whole life because mm-hmm. we have that stream of consciousness and even the most talented psychic out there doesn't always make sense of what they perceive. So you're really quite gifted and you're wonderful and you come from a really good place. So just let that all unfold and know that there's something larger than our current earth- earthbound awareness that's taking care of everything and minding the store.
0: Yeah, I have a very, just one moment, Rosa. I have a very important thing to say about dreams. Rosa, first of all, you...
1: Yeah, go ahead, about dreams.
0: Okay. Um, All right, to understand what's going on here, if this was 100 years ago, and you said to someone, oh, I dreamt what's his name died, you would be tried as a witch, okay? Because that's how primitive it was back then. Now, what you are to understand is that a dream is a vote. In other words, there were dozens of other people that got this information about him as um, a dream, and they all said, well, okay, uh, I guess that's the way it is. Now, it's just one vote, and you can change your vote, and you don't have to go back to sleep and spontaneously dream him not getting killed, what you can actually do is just decide. You can dream it consciously. You can say, no, I don't accept this situation. And just like that. Now, actually, you asked, when in my life do I get to the point where I get to use this? And I gotta say, it's the old joke about Carnegie Hall. It really is about practicing it. And the more you practice it, the more faculty you get at this. Mary and I have been doing this for very, very, we've been doing it for lifetimes and lifetimes. And so have you. It's just a matter of recognizing your own authority in these things. And Mary teaches us psychic development and I take people into past lives to get us acquainted with who it is we really are. But, um, and one last thing, thank you very much for calling. This has been a very stimulating call and we would love to hear from you again. So please do feel free, you know, call back with other questions or other dreams or any of the rest of this. We'd love you to. And finish the Mother Teresa thing, because you've said it so many times, it was well, Mother Teresa...
1: she said, I said, how can I help those less fortunate than me? And Mother Teresa shows up, but note that this is, Mother Teresa is, I don't dislike Mother Teresa, but I really haven't given it two thoughts one way or another. I, I have different yeah. different symbolism, and she shows up and says, what makes you think there are those less fortunate than you? And I said, wow. And it was like a yeah. V8 moment where you hit mm-hmm. yourself in the forehead. Ouch. And then if there's no one less fortunate, there's no one more fortunate. Exactly. So, hey, I'm off the hook. I don't have to assent, like, a, aspire yeah. to this, and mm-hmm. I don't have to compensate for that. I just am who I am, mm-hmm. and that we are all equal, and we are all perfect. And just like the person that may be on the streets very hungry does not have less resources than the person in the mansion mm-hmm. on this uh, spiritual level. Yeah. And so it was very freeing and I, and I looked at everybody with a different level of respect, even though mm-hmm. I had respect before, it was m- more like charitable respect. And now I say, there is no difference. Yeah. And so the fight and the struggle is gone. And then I became an instrument of what I was to do. It mm-hmm. became very apparent because what is your job to do? You are funded by the universe and being funded means energized, funded in every possible way. And in Rosa's case, she wasn't funded to go tell this guy or she would have known. So we must look at what we are funded to do.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, to uh, thank you, Rosa, for the call. Right. We've we've been, um, what we can understand, though, is that we are all God. I mean, you can argue about it and you can choose a religion and you can kill other people that disagree with you. But still, we are all God. And there is nothing we can possibly do that will make us greater than being God, make us greater than being what we already are. There's nothing, no degree, no wait, I have a de- No, wait, there's no degree that can possibly make you any better than anybody else. All of that is such a myth that has taken the human race by the, what is that expression, short hairs, taken the human race out. We're all greats, could we please just calm down and, and not have to convince each other. You well, must believe me when I tell you that well, I'm greater. No, no, none of that. We're all, we all came here on an equal plane. Well, you
1: know how, what came to me many years ago about that, that um, idea of greatness, because I, I wrote recently on Facebook that um, being important is a lot of work. <laughs> it's something we have to maintain. We have to struggle and fight with other people. We have to do all this proving. It's like we spend our whole life in this weird courtroom that doesn't exist and all these different things, attempting to be important. When we release the idea of being important and being special, then we become part of everything and we feel very fulfilled. But I was noting, you know, I studied medical things. I wanted to be an obstetrician and I studied all on my own. I didn't go to school, but I gave myself exams and everything. And I remember reading about how many billions of sperm compete to fertilize an egg and the every single one of us was that one out of billions and billions of billions of sperm that fertilized the egg and we are that one egg that survived and then that one baby that actually made it down the fallopian tube and implanted and survived gestation so we're already winners of a hundred thousand lotteries all put together. So let's just get over this idea that we're not valuable and that Mm -hmm. we haven't done anything with our lives and just enter life as this winner that's totally wanted here on this planet. And what would we do? What would we want to experience now that we don't have to prove anything?
0: That's it, and that's a question nobody ever asks or answers. Nobody gets to it. We said what, we have a thousand shows, we said, what if tomorrow morning you woke up and did exactly what you would love to do? Okay. We did not get one call back saying, well, tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up and play chess by mail with some Russian guy. Nobody <laughs> ever, ever, ever called We've got us on that. we email now, Never Said a word about it, <clears throat> you know, to, because nobody could get to the point of figuring out what it is they would love to do yeah. because they just, we, the human <laughs> race, do not generally conduct ourselves with a criterion like, well, I'm not going to do that. Why not? Wouldn't <laughs> love to do it, heathen. <laughs> no, we, we have a whole uh, inquisition here that's going to talk to you about that a- attitude of yours.
1: Love is like the X that marks the spot of where your funding is.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the yeah.
1: passion. It's so where the people. energy comes through the dimensions into yeah. you and animates your life.
0: So many people over the years have asked either one of us, what, what is my path? What would I do? And that, w- and the answer, one answer is you would do what you would love to do, and then the person goes, "Well, how does that work? What would I love to do?" And I have found a, a short, ding, 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 shorthand version of the the question and the answer, which is that you would do it for free. What it is you would love to do in life is something that you would do for free, and this happened to me because of palmistry when I. Grandma taught me when I was six to read poems and when I was 18 it opened like a flower. So I go to strangers and I go, you know, you look interesting and I see what your poem looks like. I'm studying it. And then I start to talk to them about it. And finally one person, in this is the 70s, gave me 20 bucks. Gave me 20. In the 70s, 20 bucks is worth more than 100 today. Okay. Because if you had a 20... It was at home folded up in a book where you'll forget it, and it'll show up in a library someday. Because you spend fives and tens and ones, and ten is a huge deal, but a 20 is out of the question. Yeah, it was like a
1: 50, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, and so the person just gave me the money for doing it. I went, oh, geez, that's it. I never have to work again in my life. I will just read poems. Because
1: you love to do that. That's why you
0: never have to work. But that's
1: true. And and you can trace it back. Do you remember when we used to do a a workshop many years ago called Joy Mapping? Yes. Where you map the certain joys in your life to figure out who you really are. And we always know early on when you were young, Mm -hmm. like, I really love to teach. I just love it. It's It's not even like, oh, I want to teach. And I thought, I just found myself doing it. Every job I had, I ended up uh... looking and mastering everything and then being the one that trains everybody else and writing the manuals i just love it Mm -hmm. and if i look back when i was a kid i spent hours standing in that we had a very tiny house five kids standing in this little hallway my mother used to let me write on the the wall with the chalk because we didn't have a chalkboard because it wiped right off uh... it was like that glossy coat anyway i would just stand there for hours pretending i was teaching and so when i look back I had clues, so that's why it's so important to let your children really be who they are. I know we're so focused on this idea of success and specialness and, oh, let's get him over in the math. No, no, I don't want you writing writing stories and coloring and drawing, let's go over here. Let that unfold for each of us and find it within yourself. write 10 things you love to do. Crossword puzzles, it I've told
0: forever the story of my discovering I had always been good at art, Mm -hmm. but uh, my mom had me taken for tutelage about oil painting in uh, in some woman's basement in the suburbs, and I know that could go many different directions from some woman's basement in the suburbs.
1: Were there cats and scented candles involved?
0: No, not this time. Um, She had like 10 of us kids there, and I know that could go in a different direction and she was walking around the room, laying down paints, brushes, and putting a blank canvas in front of us, and then she would go on to the next kid. So I look at the canvas, and the canvas looks at me, and I look at the paints, and I choose um, crimson, crimson. Mm. And I put out a blob of crimson, and I pick the biggest brush, and I fill it with crimson, and I just go right across the page, and the molecules going on to Ooh, the canvas. Beautiful set me you off to the, this very day. Now, the woman lost her mind because she was going to teach us from sketch to finished oil, and I had destroyed, from her point of view, the canvas by simply... And I, there's a, a guy that did 600 paintings an hour. It was a very big deal in the art world, probably in the early 80s. And, and that was things he'd do. He'd just go splat next, splat, splat next, ding, 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 ding. There's some weird art out there. Oh, but this guy was, uh, so every one of them sold before the itself. thing they it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Run it over with a cat. No, what, like that. what you
1: were describing about that red. I remember yeah. finger paints when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And this color and these, the, we're either experiencing or we're measuring. And mm-hmm. if we're measuring, we're out of the moment, we're not happy. If we're experiencing, we're in the moment. And when I do art, that's how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I remember... The first experience, I remember everything about the room and the way the light was coming in the window.
0: Mm. And there
1: was green, yellow, red, and blue, those real primary type bold colors. And just getting my fingers in that and moving it around. Everybody go out and buy some finger paints.
0: Yes, paint your fingers.
1: What do you love to do? And then, mm-hmm. you know, that goes so much with the topic we're talking about, about being honest.
0: Yeah, honest with you.
1: We get another, another in another setting at work, when we're not honest with ourselves is this idea of success. Because we measure our happiness by how successful we are, instead of measuring our success by how happy we are. Let's mm-hmm. get that turned back around the right way. And we have this idea, like, I felt I had to keep climbing and climbing I, I was the sole support of my children, and so it was all funded in this idea I had to make enough to survive and live mm-hmm. on. And so I kept climbing and climbing, but when I got to the top, it's like, boy, I missed that job back down there when I was just doing something I really enjoy.
0: No, oh, yeah, exactly. This whole concept, the movement forward of We the Human Race, is a very important thing for us to do. And I had another point which was triggered somewhere in there, about um, painting? Yeah, even more so. It will come back when it comes back. So in the meantime I'll say words to... Just just
1: speak up when it comes and we'll...
0: We'll do that. Part the
1: waters and let the thought come
0: through. That would be good, yeah. Yeah. Because it does come back. It's very interesting. Notice I'm not faulting myself. You had a whole anecdote about um, outgrowing, being afraid. Oh, that was it. Honesty. Honesty is obliterated by guilt. It's a very Mm -hmm. funny thing you aren't going to say to someone you know that you you know and you you have a specific criterion with this person you're not going to say anything that's out of that criterion you'll lie about it in fact because of feeling guilty about leaving the parameters you believe exist which were never necessarily stated you know what I'm saying. Or
1: feeling guilty about just not saying it at all yeah. Because sometimes we feel like we owe it to ourselves to just say everything.
0: Yeah, so the guilt, absolutely. We cannot really have an honest society as long as guilt has us, has the grip on us that it does have. Because you will not escape from guilt with logic. You'll escape from guilt by being true to who you are. And you get to become true to who you are by meditation. The more time that you can spend out of the chattering monkey mind, where the chatt- chattering monkey mind isn't even interesting, and you go into that void of creation where you don't have to be thinking a thought, and you stay there, some people count breaths, you know, the conscious breath, when you stop the chatter, and you just watch the breathing that the body does, and you don't go someplace, actually you do, you go to a very important mm-hmm. place, you go to the void, you go to the no thing, and then when you come back from it, the whole situation you were in has transmuted, even though it wasn't done by your will or by your conscious mind. It is still transmuted, and that's how you get to have character. That's how you stop that's being true. guilty. And that's very good. There's, it teach that to <coughs> the children. And the other thing to teach children is guilt has to do with attention. So um, we can do that and when and we after post duck, post duck, duck conversation. Here come, yes, the duck director is directing the duck. There's the ducky. Okay, Smile at the camera. It's really good. Look out at duck. Uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I got responsibility. Ability to respond.
0: Uh, intention. Okay,
1: thank you, Shana.
0: Thank you very okay, much. Okay,
1: so responsibility is an interesting thing mm-hmm. because I was just thinking the idea of emotional responsibility where we feel we're responsible for everyone else's emotions and so then if that's the way it is and we feel that that's a truth, why aren't other people being responsible for my emotions? And that leads to the uh, fountain of feelings is we believe that other people are responsible for our feelings mm-hmm. and that's why we feel compelled to tell other people.
0: That once we, we are. internalize our healing. Yeah. In terms and healing. once we're responsible for ourselves but no one else, then we can do away with the word victim, which would be a, a part and mm-hmm. parcel of the guilt-free society. Yep. That doesn't mean that we don't take care of people. That doesn't mean that. It's it means true. that we don't beat ourselves up because we take care of other people. You stop beating yourself up. I've told you about that.
2: Now just stop yeah. it.
0: And we have our first caller and we'll resume after the, the guilt-free conversation later. First caller after the duck. Yeah, hi caller.
2: Hi, it's me again, Rosa. I, I, Rosa, I, welcome back. Thank you I for reading, and I, I didn't know that I had to wait a certain time to get my reading. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Calling back. But
1: be happy to. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Yeah, we usually, for those that are watching or are new to the show, we usually do the readings after the duck, which is about 15 minutes before the end of the show, just to, to keep things cohesive. <clears throat> the first card we get is trust, and I think this is interesting because it goes along the lines of what we were talking about with your psychic abilities and your dreams. It's saying to start trusting things and don't feel like you have to go outside of your comfort zone in order to do anything with this. You always keep it within your own comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I also feel that that's saying to trust, that there might be something going on right now where you're, I know this card says comparison, but what I was getting is like, you might be worried about something coming up whether it's a financial thing or a life path kind of choice. And I would say that there is going to be a big change coming up for you. And don't look back and compare it to another place you've been in your life. Don't do that comparison game. Just stand solely on this new path coming up. And you'll find that a lot of changes are going to come. And you're going to meet somebody, and I feel like a man in particular is going to be very significant that will help you. And the maturity card is saying that Uh, there's a lot of longevity around you and so just trust that it's going to be long life long things will last long time long song okay a long song
0: yes who was a um, Chinese philosopher by the way Mr. Long Song yes Yes. true true all right then we have our next caller hi next caller what's your name please
2: hi my name is Alexandra Alex
0: hi hi what can we do for you
2: oh I just wanted a reading okay Thank you. Sure.
1: Thanks mm-hmm. for calling. And if these readings make sense to you or you, anybody out there that gains insight from them or if they speak to you on an internal level, please accept that because mm-hmm. we get our We're messages in everything, sh- Everything. Yeah. A- but I mean, you can get a message from a street sign. So, mm-hmm. Okay. We are the world. This is talking about going out there into the world and figuring out who you are, your own unique color your dance, your pose, so to speak, and that you've been doing that and you've really been looking. I feel like there's a great open-mindedness with you, which I think is wonderful, and that courage is also um, backing and supporting this concept. This seed didn't think it could survive in that stone wall, but yet it did, and it is very uh, thriving and, and even prolific. And so take that chance, take that risk be courageous to go out there and really see who you are. The mind is like a machine. This really isn't as creepy as it looks. It's just illustrating that when we run things through our mind too many times, it just shreds it like a paper shredder. And that there are things that you really want to do but sometimes your mind pulls you back. And the mind is on our side and and it can tell us things. We certainly don't want to jump off a bridge and things like that. take the mind's information and then allow it to combine with your knowing and your passion and you will always be moving forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, do yeah, we have another call? And, uh, do we well by the call? way, while they're
1: setting up that call, uh, I know you wanted to see that, we are taking a journey to the Serpent Mound coming
0: up. Yeah. So did
1: you want to do that real quick and then I'll Yeah, let's the next do
0: the serpent, mind, the serpent mind. that's really funny, Serpent okay, Mound. Well, we'll and this it. is, I don't know if you're acquainted with anything Egyptian, uh, this is the way the serpent mound is. It's a. Um, here's um, what the books refer to as a map to it, and this is the map and the serpent itself done in copper. And if you're familiar with the onk and you can recognize the onk in the serpent, okay. okay. And so speaking through it. So uh, in our event, as when we go to the mound, everybody will get an opportunity to speak through this object. Uh, to greet the mound and to talk to the mound, and to say goodbye to the mound when we we part from the. Uh okay, it's very lovely. Yeah. yeah,
1: and if anybody's interested, there's more information on the web, or you can contact us. We are doing mm-hmm. this next week. It's really a wonderful journey if you're up for a couple day adventure. Okay, uh-huh, do we nice. have another
0: very call? Okay, here we go. We do have our next call. Hi caller, what's your name, please?
2: My name is Misty. Hi, how Misty. are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Good. Good. Thank you. Good. I was just calling for a
0: reading.
1: Oh, be most happy to. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Uh Yeah, that's very lovely. Neville made that copper piece, by the way, in case people didn't know. First card we get is the experiencing card. I always think of the time when Oscar and Felix, if you guys remember the odd couple where Felix goes away on a retreat a silent retreat, and he comes through and he goes, oh, Oscar, I I saw this finger bends this way, and they can touch each other, and it can do this, and in other words, that deep moment of contemplation, and I feel like that's what this lifetime is about for you, that contemplation where everything is as important as anything else, and that you do take things seriously in that way, lightly, but seriously look at this we've got (laughs) we've got the uh, we are the world again and it's through this that we find our our true nature our true self and when we find our true self it's it's like that's the truth that we stand on and you don't have to prove you don't have to go through anything look at this you guys saw me shuffle the cards i have witnesses and we have the courage card again so let's look at that this contemplative life you came here to really discover who you are in the context of the rest of the world. And what that does is enables you to take this next step up. Feel like a big upgrade coming for you, energetically and materially, even in what you do with your day and how you earn your living and everything. is gonna be a big promotional mm-hmm. type thing.
0: We have our next okay. caller? Thank you. It's by the way, this is a crop circle that came up. Um, it is the serpent mound, mm-hmm. per se, mm-hmm. and just wanted people to understand how sacred the. Um, Journey of oh, the really, Serpent really is uh, so much so it's being written in uh, multidimensional code and okay. crop circles. And our next caller, hi.
2: Hi, Mary Ann Neville. This is Abby. Abby. Um, hi, Abby. Hi. Um, I'm going to hang up. I'm calling for a reading, and so I will hang up now and listen. Okay. Excellent. I sure okay. would Thank love you. to. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I felt, and I know I do not do these sorts of readings on the show, and maybe we will do a show where we do one time. <clears throat> but I did feel a presence around you, and I'm not sure if there is a, a grandmother or something in spirit that you were extremely close to. It just feels kind of that vibration just really radiating around you. You've got a great field, as the source card is telling us. We don't go out and create things and pull them in. We, it's always a matter of allowing them to come out. we get kind of confused here on the planet Earth at times about the direction of things. And this is saying you have a great source uh, connection and that you're aware of, but your EM field is very strong. I mean, you could even do physical phenomenon, mediumship type stuff, you just got a really good field. Now the suppression comes in with this doubting ourself all the time. And that can come through beliefs or past experiences and there are ways to energetically, the work I do with people, emotional freedom type stuff, is to get rid of the influence that some of these older things have on us so that we can really be who we are. I feel like you're right at that place where you're open to the idea that the things in your life that may not be all that comfortable really aren't you. They're not really um, a fact that you have to accept, that they're just something there based on a perspective. And that more and more you're moving out of that and into the, the head and heart harmony where you're not being pulled into so many directions anymore. So that is coming up. So, some things happening to take you there are manifesting now.
0: hmm Oh, excellent.
1: Okay, do we have so, time for any or
0: it, No. me? No, I think we're all okay. done. I had wanted to uh, close a point on guilt, mm-hmm. and just one of the principles that guilt works on is the idea that um, we are so poorly trained as children that we are um, counterfeited with the idea that attention has to come from someone else. We never recognize our own attention as being worth anything. So we draw your attention to the (sighs) child who's playing in this wonderful world of either Barbies or action figures or whatever it is, but they've created this entire um, Gothic novel with a few dolls or toys or stones or whatever it was. And um, then the phone rings and mommy goes to answer the phone. And then the child goes and tugs on mommy or daddy, the guardian, the person, the parent. Uh, And then the the parent says, I've told you. (laughs) And the kid goes, well, my God, that's a boatload of attention. And from that moment on, their attention is worth nothing, although it was negative attention that's worth so much well, more that, than their own attention. Well, that's a very attention. valuable point. Yeah, I know we'll we're down to our it last... Yeah, we'll another show. Yeah, yeah.
1: We're, let's talk about attention on another show because mm-hmm. attention is a burden just like importance. Yeah. And I think it stems from this biological urge because we survive by being a social family here. Yeah. <coughs> so, looking at that as a drive. So, we are going to be at Ruby Tuesdays. Shortly. If you're out In and about Fairfax not Circle. doing
0: anything, yeah, come by.
1: It was our joy and honor to take you to the door.
0: Yes, and we continue talking. Except and we've run out to of step time through
1: it, which is usually Nivell's line.
0: But yes, but I was talking about how much more we would say if we hadn't run out of time, even though we it haven't technically run out of time. Disorder. I found out that I have oppositional personality during the no, holidays you don't. <laughs> because I kept wanting to fast, like Christmas or Thanksgiving. My my impulse is to fast, and then it was explained. I was on
1: to it long before that.